Welcome to the 301 Podcast, the interview podcast for the hottest up-and-coming entrepreneurs, artists, and creators. Real, authentic, and inspiring. And here is your host, Marcus Engel. Let's get it started in 301. Welcome back to the 301 Podcast and the first time in the 301 history that we have an award-winning filmmaker in the podcast. Today we talked to Johannes Lehner, an Austrian filmmaker, And in the podcast, we talked about many, many different topics. We talked about how he got into filmmaking, what he did in Dallas for the Esports Filmmaker of the Year. And we also have a little spoiler alert because for the very first time, Johannes is talking about the future of 75 Winter After and also what one of the interviewees in the documentary gave him after the interview. So stay tuned until the end. Enjoy listening to this episode and let's get it started in 3, 0. One. Welcome to the 3 podcast. Today we have the first guest from Austria and a very special one as well. And we can even say that you are an award-winning filmmaker. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Johannes uh, Lena, welcome to the 3 podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. How does it sound? Award-winning filmmaker. Yeah, it's, it sounds really good. It sounds really good. We can talk about it later. Maybe it's a bit, it, it sounds a bit better than it is, I think. Yeah. Um, before we dive into all the topics and, uh, as you said, all the, 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 the background behind the award-winning filmmaking, uh, maybe a quick introduction from your side, who you are and what you do. Yeah. Uh, so it's, yeah, thanks again for having me. I'm, uh, Johannes Lehner. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, now I, I just finished my first documentary short. Uh, I'm in the video business, um, since a few years now. Um, so The, the project we, we talk a little bit about today was kind of a passion project of mine, uh, this documentary short. And um, yeah, as a main job, I, I produce video game trailers. I work for a video game uh, publisher named THQ Nordic. And um, I also come from kind of a video gaming background. I, I work in that industry now for a few years. And I'm originally from Austria and still, still live here. Uh, I'm from the countryside of Upper Austria. And, uh, but right now I live in the capital, I live in Vienna. Yeah, really nice. And a quick, quick uh, question in the beginning. Um, I worked for a sports agency for a while. Yeah. And um, when I started to watch um, football games, after a while I looked, for example, which sponsor is on the jersey, uh, which are the sponsors on the LED boarding. Do you have the same that you go to like a cinema or you watch Netflix and you think like, mm, that cut could have been better or uh, the, the, the technical uh, like requirements of the movie could, could be better or the animations could be different. Like, do you have that or you can still lay back and enjoy Netflix or cinemas? I have that sometimes, but to be honest, when it's, when I just really like it, the, the, the movie, then I can just really dive into, into the, the world, the movie itself. So um, I, but I definitely, so sometimes Sometimes I even tell myself, like, you should um, look at the maybe really good cuts right now and get inspired and, you know, like, learn from the movie. But then I'm thinking, like, no, first I want to enjoy the story. It's way better. And I actually read about, um, or it was some interview with, um, I think, an, an, a film editor, and, and he said he watches movies three times. The first time he just enjoys it, and the second time he 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 looks, uh, he, 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 he looks at the story more in depth and you know, on the third try um, he will look at specifics like cuts and, and the cin cinematography of it so um, 
that's probably the, the better way to approach that yeah probably and uh, do you have like also a favorite uh, tv show or movie that you um, admire like maybe not only from from a story point of view but also from a from a craft uh, point of view oh there's so many as i'm speaking to you right now i'm looking at posters of last samurai interstellar lord of the rings um and <laughs> many other great uh movies which i which i have um printed and framed in my uh room but um hmm I would say the best movie. Well, one of the best, maybe. I, I would, I, I honestly, I would say Interstellar. I really enjoyed that movie. I, I like the the I like the space aspect of it, um, but I also like the kind of um, um, the, the 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 aspect of the main character protagonist Matthew McConaughey and the the love and connection for his daughter which he he left behind on earth um i think those two um aspects combined was just an amazing film when i saw it i i told I, one of my biggest regrets is not seeing this movie in IMAX cinema i watched it years after it was released on my laptop um so <laughs> this yeah it's big 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 regret Is that a, a big difference, um, like f from like to watch a movie in a cinema or or on the laptop? I think for uh, when when films are shot in IMAX, which is like a special, um, w w which are like super high quality and high resolution cameras, um, which are like ultra expensive. I think they cost two hundred thousand euros or something like that um, each. So uh, when it's shot on that then it really makes a difference in an, in an IMAX uh, cinema. And certainly for Interstellar, it would have been, would have been amazing, I think. Yeah, sounds, uh, sounds exciting. So everyone, Interstellar, who are the ones who haven't seen <laughs> it, uh, big, big recommendation. And you were also heading for, uh, actually for Korean tourism. And then you uh, shifted careers and you shifted your focus yeah. a little bit. Uh, and then you landed first uh, in esports. Can you maybe tell us a little bit uh, how that shift came about? Yeah, it's actually funny because it started with a documentary, um, this shift. So uh, I was studying bachelor in Salzburg uh, in, in, in tourism. And I was um, abroad for one year in, I was studying in Japan, two semesters. And while being there, I had kind of, I had to think about my bachelor thesis and so i was thinking about all these like touristy topics and nothing really interested me so i was like what am i doing like it's it's i'm not interested in the field i study in um and and, and being there since back then it was six years because also my high school was focused uh, on tourism already um so and then i, I one one um, weekend i saw this documentary called free to play And it was a documentary about the first $1 million video game tournament, uh, Dota 2 um, tournament, back in 2012, I think. And it was just an incredible documentary that showed all these different um, yeah, eSport competitors and their backgrounds. And I was just really moved by, 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 that, by those stories. And coming from a gaming background as well, like I played games since a child and also like to play some games competitively like uh, counter-strike back in the days and so i, I had a i had a, an interest for it i, I on, on that weekend i watched this documentary three times in a row and then i 
knew that I wanted to be in esports. In mm. I, I also knew that I I don't want to be a, be a player because because um, doing the same thing repetitively is it's not my my character like it's not my strength i'm bored super easily and so and i know that to be the best of the best right you have to train super hard on on the smallest of 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 things and so i knew this this was not my role in this industry but i really wanted to make my mark in it and um i didn't know how but uh i just knew i will i I want to and so i started out as a journalist as an unpaid journalist for some online platform. Then they invited me to some tournament. I covered it. I met some people, started to get an offer for a paid job in marketing while finishing uh, my tourism degree. And then when I finished the degree, I already had the offer to work full-time in marketing for a, um, a streaming platform, a video game streaming platform, uh, also based in Vienna. And uh, I was just super happy back then to to start in this industry because I was uh, yeah in the gaming and esports industry and I was making my money with it. But soon after, I realized that it's cool to be in the industry, but I'm not a marketing kind of guy. Like, mm. uh, I, I, I don't know. It's just, it didn't interest me so much. And so I thought I really want to, I really want to create things. Like in marketing, I feel like you have to, you come up with all these ideas, concepts, uh, and then you hand it off to somebody, a graphic designer, video editor, whatever, and they imp- like they implement the idea or they make something out of it. And I just thought, man, I want to be that person that actually creates this stuff. And so uh, that's when I, I knew I wanted to go into video editing and, and just um, yeah, telling stories with video. And luckily, fortunately, I got accepted into a, a master's degree in um, media design in Graz, also city in Austria. And mm. uh, that's where I was up until earlier this uh, earlier uh, last year. So, so beginning of 2020, um, that's when I moved back to Vienna because I accepted a new job. Um, so yeah, this was basically my life story in a nutshell right now. <laughs> It's really, really nice, and uh, of course, a thousand questions are popping up <laughs> during you. You told that story. Uh, why was uh, Japan for you such a yeah, maybe we can almost say life changing experience? Um, so Japan, I had an interest in Japan ever since I was little because I grew up with manga and anime, and of course, video games. Um, and in general, I think I'm a guy that I like. I like things that are not the mainstream. I don't know. It's just something. Whenever I watch a movie, I some I, I'm I don't really I'm not fascinated by the main character sometimes, but I really liked always liked like this the kind of secondary character, you know. So and and the same goes with maybe like architecture. So in Austria, we have like really great buildings here in Vienna, but. It's just, I don't know, it's just normal for me. And that's why I think it's not so interesting compared to when I look at some temples in Japan or in in Asia in general. I'm like, I could just wander around in small villages and be fascinated by how different it is there. So Japan was Mm. was always on my mind um, and going there in in, in itself was a dream come true, to be honest. And just like uh, learning 
like living in this culture, really making friends there and stuff. Um, but then I think it was easier for me then to make the decision to, to switch careers because I was so far away from home and it was just, it was my decision and, and there were no friends or family that, that would maybe talk some sense into you because I mean, esports as an industry is still like, it's not so easy to get into. Um, and, uh, like a lot of people are passionate about esports, and so they, um, they, you have a lot of competition, right? And so, uh, but but I, it was just me alone in this country that I really liked, and uh, figuring out who I am and and what I really really uh, love. And and what um, fascinates you so much about filmmaking? Like, why was it for you filmmaking? Is that something that started uh, early already that you already had a, a thing for taking pictures and making movies? Or is that something that really developed over, over time? Uh, so I definitely had a, a thing for movies. I, I loved the big like history and, and war movies like Troy and um, Spartacus and Lord of the Rings, like fantasy stuff. Um, but I never considered it as a career. Uh, I don't know why, to be honest. I, it's just I went into a tourism high school and I was like, okay, that's that's my career now. So I never considered it. And then when you're like, I don't know, 22, 23, and the, you kind of think like, yeah, now I this is my path, right? Like I can't change anymore. Um, and also the people that have been creative since eight years, like when they started maybe with like 14, 15, they are way ahead of me. So how could I ever catch up? Um But so actually, so kind of, yeah, but also not really because I started really late. I think I was 25 when I started the master's degree in, in media design and it took two years. And uh, those two years were just, I was able to learn so much because um, I, I started at, I'm still surprised I got into the program. Um, I think I put put some of my, I, I added my involvement in some projects. I showed it way stronger. Like I showed it in a better light than it may may have been. But anyways, mm -hmm. I got accepted and I just, I was surrounded by all these incredibly talented and creative individuals and I could just learn so much every day. And um, yeah, so it, it, it was really fast. But I, but I did know... When I started the program, I did know that I want to tell stories uh, on video. Um, that that was my goal, and and back then it was still. Uh, I knew I wanted to tell the esports stories, um, but yeah, the the documentary now that the short documentary this um, was kind of just another field of interest, and and it was because right now also I'm not in esports anymore, and but I just feel like per going into video filmmaking or, or filmmaking with esports in mind has opened up so many doors because now I just feel like I have, I, I know my, my hardware now, right? Like I know how to use the cameras and all that. I know about lighting. So now I can just like document anything that I'm interested in. And that's what I'm so excited about because I, I, I've even though like I'm now I'm 28 and I feel like I'm so young and I have so much time left to like tell stories and stuff. So I'm really excited actually. Yeah. That's super nice. And then, I mean, uh, your dream came eventually true, which is amazing after you graduated, um, your first, I think it was one of your first, uh, bigger jobs. Um, 
you followed around the esports team big um, Berlin yeah. International Gaming and uh, for almost two years um, and I think that still many many people talk about um, esports uh, but yeah. for someone who was like that close to the scene what do you think is still the biggest misconception about esports hmm the biggest misconception about esports uh, I think people from the outside don't understand how hard it is to be the best because for for non-gamers they're like ah, it's just video games like maybe they know mario party or mario kart and stuff like that but um when i watched those guys uh practice and like talk about the tiniest of things in the game it was just you can only be fascinated by that um, and i think a lot of people don't don't respect that and or just like don't see it and they would probably they would respect it if they if they saw it and that's why for a lot of people it's just it's just playing video games um but i i don't know i feel like it's fine like that you know people have their uh, prejudices or whatever um i'm just really happy that in the past 10 years the esports industry has come so far um and and people make a good living uh, off of it and also if i talk about me and other um creatives it's it's a fantastic time to tell stories on video because the every every few months i feel like there's a new camera coming out it's stuff is getting cheaper and you get you, you just have all these amazing capabilities so I feel like it's a great time to be in uh, in video storytelling. Yeah, mm, definitely. And um, yeah, also really nice. I mean, in, in your first uh, in your first job, you almost had like a, a little bit like a, a rock star life, uh, flying <laughs> from arena to arena, from city to city, and and uh, filming. Um, and yesterday, um, it was one question that I added yesterday because yesterday I watched a festival which was called uh, I think Go Create Festival. Uh -huh. um, and there were like uh, several uh, filmmakers um, and, and uh, content creator uh, basically sharing a little bit their best practices. And it mm -hmm. was uh, Chris, Chris Schwartz and uh, Kevin Bressler. Uh, I think Kevin Bressler is the one who is creating the after movies for the Ultra Music Festival in Miami. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and he said, for example, um, that while he was filming like on, on site, um, when the people went to bed, he was up uh, like filming. So can you maybe take us also a little bit in your creative process when you were following around uh, the, the esports team? Uh, was it also like similar to that, that you had to uh, film them the whole day and then while they were sleeping and recovering in the hotel rooms, you were like then editing the material to create the content or how, how did that go for you? Um, so Big was very laissez-faire in that regard. So they just said we want to have a cool after movie. And I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. Like, this is my dream job. So um, let me do my thing. And um, yeah, I, so hmm, what I did was I was filming all day when they competed and when they practiced and in the evening and also took some pictures. And in the evening I would edit those pictures, send them to, to the social media team and they can have some, you know, post, post these things. Uh, I did not necessarily edit videos on site 
sometimes there were some small things, like maybe something really funny happened and I was like, guys, I'll just like send you the clip. It's so funny. You you can post it. Um, but I for me, it was just important to just film as much as possible, like especially mm-hmm. when they were practicing um, in the hotel rooms and stuff to see like my goal was always to to be there with them, but to not be there. So they they won't notice me and I can just capture all these awesome interactions between the players that normally as a fan you you wouldn't see because like in tournament promotional videos it's all very kind of professional right and they interview somebody and he gives the correct answer but then when they are backstage backstage and they let their guard down kind of that's when you see the the real people like you can i don't know you, you have a better connection i feel like and that's actually one thing that i would say um, is one of the things that I love so much about documentary storytelling is authentic emotions mm-hmm. to, to really to, to learn how the person really thinks and, and really talks. And um, that was only possible by just filming all the time and kind of hidden. Like sometimes I would just place my camera on my lap and while they practice or even while they talk to me and I just like gently pointed toward them um, and then let the the autofocus do do its thing, um, and and they wouldn't even know know that I, I film because they they think it's just like lying there the camera right. And so, so there's yeah. so many funny moments, great moments that I think um, made for for good good documentaries um, after, after the events. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you started uh, filmmaking. Um... I mean, r- rather late, which which doesn't necessarily say anything about the the quality that you can produce. But um, is that something that um, you also then taught, um, like during your education, um, or is that really something that this you can only experience when you have like the the field experience? Um. So, my study program, I feel like it, they enable a lot, like. You, you learn as much as you want to. That's how I felt. So I knew I had two years and the program wasn't very strict, I would say. And because they also knew that you you cannot really um, like learn the craft in a theoretical way, right? Like if they just, uh, we, if we would have all these exam where we, exams where we get these like um, difficult questions about some technical aspects, I don't know if, if that's the way to go, maybe, but it, it wasn't in my case. But I just knew that there's so much I I can um, I can learn from these other people around me that will make me better. And so that's why I learned a lot. Um, but definitely the field experience is what counts. And mm. also, I feel like I learned so much because I had that chance to uh, film a subject that that was just like one of my biggest passions, right? Like I knew this is, this is it now. Like this is my chance to, to make my mark on the scene. And um, that's why I, when I made those short documentaries about the esports um, team, it's, I just like, I invested so much time because it's, it's all I wanted to do ever since um, thinking about uh, video um work and so and obviously when you then make mistakes will which you eventually will and and which is very good then it if the movie comes out and you see the mistake afterwards it's like 
you are so bummed out, right? They're like, how could I like do this? Or it's so stupid. Or now I would do it better. Uh, and that's, and, and because it is a subject that's so close to my heart, I, mm. I think I just didn't make those mistakes anymore. Um, I, I just, I didn't make the mistakes oft more often than twice, maybe. Um, so yeah, so I think for, for documentary or just like for aspiring um, filmmakers, I would definitely say the field experience counts and the, 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 f like the, 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 the topics that really interest you, that's where you need to go. And did anyone um, except you uh, realize that there was a mistake or there was a something that, that, that didn't go well? Uh, mostly just industry people, um, mm. which is kind of funny because you, you start living in kind of a bubble if you're surrounded by all the creators, uh, not creators, but um, like creative people. And you kind of in your back in your head, you, you think like, okay, he's going to see that movie or she's going to see that movie. Um, and they will notice these things, um, which is good, I think. But yeah, probably 98% of people watching won't notice it. Many, many things. Um, I mean, we can talk about that more later, but, uh, with the, the history, uh, the 75 Winter Danach documentary, I made so many mistakes. Um, But uh, I was able to, I think, edit it in post-production so most people didn't notice too much. Um, mm. But yeah, that this was, especially this project was, was one of the, I, it followed me for so long now um, because I don't know we, if, if uh, this is on your schedule now like this, but uh, the, the, the documentary I started uh, filming in early 2018, so it was really, I think, half a year after I started studying. Um, mm. It was actually before I even released, I think it was the first time I I properly used the camera, was the interviewing these two men. Um, and so I just had such little clue. Um, I remember calling the night before, calling my friend from Graz, saying like, "How this? What does this ISO do uh, thing do again? What's white balance? Uh, like all these things." And and, um, and so every time I, I, when I would edit the footage, and it was terrible because I, yeah, I had no clue of of um, white balance. I had no clue of picture profiles and stuff like that. I would just look at it, and I knew the story was great. Like the interviews were great. But the technical aspect of it, I kind of um, effed up. So I, every time I would look at the footage, I would be confronted with my failing. And so I would never make those mistakes again. Yeah, super nice. Uh, we, we talk in the, about the documentary in a bit. Uh, I have one one other question. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, because I think it's, it's also worth mentioning it, that uh, it is so incredible to see that uh, in your first uh, job uh, as a filmmaker and with the big, big passion to work in esports and then also to get this uh, recognition from the industry, uh, being uh, nominated to the finals of the, the esports filmmaker of the year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. How, how did that feel? That was, that was one of the best moments of my life. Because when I got into esports filmmaking, I knew of this award um, and I thought, man, sometime I would love to be on the finalist um, 
yeah ranking i would be uh, i would like to be in the top 10 maybe in like five years or something like that and i remember i was i was on on a plane from india i was visiting a friend in india who who got married and right before i would board the plane from india back home uh, to austria i would see on twitter that uh, esports awards tagged me and they were like finalist of the esports awards 2019 videographer of the year and i just couldn't believe it it was uh i don't know it was just the best feeling um and yeah it was fantastic to be there then it was in um, dallas us uh we we had a yeah we had that award show end of 2019 and Mm. it just felt super great to have i have a little finalist coin back at home which i like to look at and i it feels like so it feel i still want to do stuff like documentary work in esports but i kind of feel like if if i didn't do any more work there i i i already achieved what i wanted to achieve and so it mm-hmm. feels really good um yeah yeah that's that's very nice like after a, a while you were already uh, very successful and i think you got the recognition yeah. of the industry as well that they saw he's not only a filmmaker and a content creator but also you have the eye for the uh, may- maybe not only what the fans want to see but also the insights of what the players want to see and how they want to be portrayed outside i think that's maybe the eye of the industry expert probably yeah <laughs> thank you and um, yeah, and, and uh, one award after another, <laughs> it does not stop there. I think uh, quite funny, we said it in the, in the introduction briefly already, uh, that you also got the award for best historical short in last year's Austria International Film Festival. And uh, we just briefly talked about that from a technical perspective, there were some improvements to be made <laughs> uh, for, the, for the movie 75 Winter After. Uh, but in general, like how can you tell us maybe a little bit, how did you come up with the idea in general? Yeah, so uh, 75 Winter After is a historical short. It's about two um, witnesses of the Second World War, two men who fought in the war. And it was really early in my master studies that our university asked us to... Um, think about our master project our final project right and so i knew maybe i do something with esports but also i thought what it's a good time to maybe think of something different um to to try out something different and i was thinking and they also asked us to to come up with three possible topics and one of them i i just realized all of a sudden i don't remember how but i realized that in a few years probably all of the people that fought in the war um, will be dead because it's it's been back then. I think it was maybe 70 years ago that the war ended. And so I just thought I have the opportunity now to capture some of the last stories. And um, yeah, this it really interested me. And so I told my dad about it. And after a few weeks, like he got really excited and he was... I told him then, yeah, maybe I, I won't do it. We were on the phone and and then he said, yeah, but I, I think I know two people that you could interview. And then he told me about um, uh, a distant family relative, which was Herr Fellner, um, who, who's in the documentary. And so he told me 
told me about him. Um, he, he said he knew that he was in the war. And then he said that, that there's another, uh, uh, another person who he knows from church, um, which every Christmas, the priest would read out uh, to the people that this is dedicated um, from Mr. Palsdorfer to all of the um, comrades that didn't return from Siberia. That's mm. what that's what uh, my dad always heard in church at Christmas. And so he was like, okay, so he was probably a prisoner in S S Siberia it would, and might want to talk about it. And so I just um, found out his phone number uh, in the telephone book and called him, asked, asked if he, he would like to talk about this. And I'm really interested in his story. And he, he said, yes, absolutely. And yeah, so, and I did the same with Mr. Fellner. And then we just set up an interview in, I think it was in January, 2018, one weekend. Uh, and one day after another, I had those two interviews and me and my dad, um, went there and talked to Mr. Palsdorfer first and then to Mr. Fellner. Mm. So, nice. yeah. Uh, and and how was that uh, that process also of, of interviewing them, um, like for yourself from like a maybe also emotional perspective? So, in, so I didn't know what what to expect, right? Because I didn't know there. I just knew that they were in the war, so I had no idea. But then I went to Mr. Palsdorfer, and I remember I set up the two cameras, and while setting up, he he said to my father, they were kind of like talking a little bit already, uh, starting also about the war. And he said to my father, you know, I think I'm un not undefeatable, but I think I'm invincible. I even survived my own execution. And I was like, what, what, what the hell, what's going on? And mm. um, in the next, I mean, you, you, you see it in the documentary, the things that this um, man has uh, seen and, and lived through it's just unbelievable uh, that he's been two years in Siberia um, and, and um, survived just an incredible uh, th through incredible um, hardship but also uh, which, which made him a really interesting character for me uh, he back then he was very much convinced of uh, Hitler and um, and his and the Third Reich basically he was also I have to say he was very brainwashed I mean he was a super young person um, in in the in the Hitler youth um, raised yeah. there and and wanted to fight for his Führer and all that stuff which is very 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 uh, far from my way of, of of political thinking and and um, so first when I when he talked about this time I was kind of like okay wow yeah i didn't expect it that he was so and and nowadays he was talking about yeah uh, we were stupid back then um but it's you still like if you talk to about somebody who, who supported the nazi regime it's still tough for me um to to resonate with that i mean like, how can a person do that um but then yeah when i heard the stories in um siberia i was really torn because uh you just have to have empathy because it's just he he survived uh, incredible things i mean if some, uh, the listeners haven't seen the movie but for example he he 
saw his, he had to bury his comrades' heads. They were eaten by wolves and he just had to bury their heads uh, because that's all the wolves left. And to to live through something like that, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine how it must feel. And so yeah. I think that's actually one of the things that I, for myself, took away from the whole process was was um, empathy for for people. Um, mm. Yeah. Uh, but sorry, what was the question? I think I went off on a tangent there. <laughs> no, no, like uh, I think it was incredible because I think that's exactly the the kind of thing that that probably you also want to share with that uh, with that project, right? It's not uh, so much about a, a technical story. It's uh, yeah. it's a very emotional story, and uh, especially if you want to tell human stories, you you get this kind of uh, yeah level as well. And um, yeah. yeah, it's an incredible story. Does it have a background for you that you wanted to talk about the, the Second World War? Is it something that uh, interests you or was that really something that you just stumbled uh, into? I think it interested me in a sense that I was just, I'm just interested in history in general. And like I said, when I was young, I was really, you know, I liked all those war movies. So there was for sure an interest there. Um, but also... I don't know. I just feel like being from Austria, I want to talk about this very difficult time in our uh, country's history. I mean, it's and 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 soon it's yeah, we won't have any any more people to talk to, and um, that's why I think it's really it it is important for sure. How long? How long did it take for you um, from from start to finish? You said uh, January two thousand eighteen. You started uh, filming, yeah. and when was then the the project uh, done? I so I went public with it this August of twenty twenty. Um, that's when it when it was really finished. But I have to say, it's difficult to to to. Um, Put a finger on how much time I it it exactly took because there were sometimes weeks and months of it just sitting there not doing anything um, because I had all these other things um, to do like I was studying I did the, the esports thing um, and so this was only when I had time for a passion project um, that I would mm. work on it but I remember it slowly so first I I thought yeah I'll make a one hour thirty minute documentary out of this because I was just Like after I talked to Mr. Palsdorfer, it was one hour, right? And I remember my dad and I got into the car and we just looked at each other and were like, what just happened there? Like, it's because there yeah. were so many things. Um, he, he was telling us so many incredible uh, stories. And um, so first I thought I will just make this really long documentary and it's going to be the best. But then I was watching the footage over and over again and I slowly steadily realized where well, maybe i just have to I, as, as it's my first real documentary short i should probably keep it short but really like engaging all the mm. time um and also i i talked to some other creatives um in my program uh, about helping me um because i also knew that i didn't want to only make a documentary where it would be you know um um just the shot of the two men talking and then some stock footage but i just i really wanted to have a visual highlight as well which um 
then turned out to be the 3D animations for um, two of the scenes. Uh, and they, they were made by one of my uh, classmates. And I needed some other, some other guy for fixing the audio on um, Mr. Fellner's uh, interview because when we interviewed him, I had my dad with me as a sound technician, which uh, in hindsight, of course, like he's not a sound technician. So how, how could he know? But we plugged in a wrong cable or something. So we didn't connect the microphone that was um, uh, at his um, at his shirt, uh, tucked in his shirt. Mm. We didn't connect it properly. So the, um, the, the recording device that was on the lap of my dad, who was sitting three meters away from Mr. Fellner. Um, it's what it was recording from there. And so there was just tons of room in, um, the, in the file. And mm. it was a shame, yeah? but I told my, I, I knew some, some guys were focusing on audio production and I was like, can you just make it so you, we can listen to it and it's not completely terrible. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a good job. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think. I mean, you can still tell a difference in the movie, yeah. but so many people just told me like it's whatever. Like uh, in in the end, it's it's the story that counts, and that's how yeah. I, I I made peace with it as well. <laughs> so, but yeah, they did a great job in in fixing it to a point where it's um it's okay. Because in the beginning, yeah. I'll tell you. I was almost crying when I was watching the footage. I was like, no, it's, it's so good, but it's so bad. So, yeah. yeah. But this is also like really something I think that is like a very thin line of, um, uh, the, I mean, yeah, destroyed uh, audio, uh, formatted SD Oof. cards, USBs, yeah. uh, crashed uh, hard drives or something like this. I think yeah. this is like really the, the, the hardships, uh, <laughs> Nothing compared, of course, what the, the two uh, protagonists have had to go through, but like yeah. the, the hard <laughs> that, 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 that the filmmakers have or the creatives have, have to go go through. That's uh, always difficult. Um, and and what is um from is there any experience that you that you gained from from let's say, do, doing that project that you didn't really expect. I mean, let's put maybe the, the, the technical things aside. Uh, I think there, there you learned a lot. But is there anything that you got out of it that you really were, were quite surprised that this was like a, a learning or a finding? Uh, I've, I learned so much because every, everything that, that I learned during my The study program, I would always reflect it back to the documentary because I thought this is going to be like the biggest thing I did yet. And it was really important to me. So uh, I learned, I think, a lot about marketing because mm. after I finished the movie, it was like, okay, uh, if I post it on Facebook and Instagram now and it, yeah, it's going to be a nice trailer and all, but how do you really reach people and how do you get numbers and, and raise some eyebrows and um First, I thought, yeah, it's probably just gonna be friends and family kind of that will that will like it and stuff. But then, thanks to um, my friend Julian Pircher, I was able to reach a lot more people. Which maybe we can talk about that later. Um, but uh, in terms of what I learned, yeah, I did learn things um, when it comes to in, like documentary filmmaking. When it comes to interviewing the subjects i think back then because it was my first real interview 
I didn't ask too many tough questions. Um, so I would, I would have, uh, liked to ask some more, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe talk to Mr. Palmsdorfer again about, about his, um, views back then and kind of, because I did ask him if he had any regrets and he was like, no regrets. So, mm. but I know that he, he did, you know, kill a lot of people, um, which he, which he said. So I think that's kind of his, his way of, um, coming to peace with it is I was faster on the trigger, right? If I didn't kill them, uh, then they would have killed me. But, um, that was something where I think I could have asked some more questions. Uh, mm. but then also I, in, in the, the response to the documentary, a lot of people said they, they liked it so much because they felt like they were just talking, like they weren't pressured to, to say anything. They, they just talked as, as they feel. And so that maybe that non, non, not pressure was a, was a good thing, but that's something that I would have done differently. And also I would have just asked them more about um like that i can film more like i should have filmed in the in the in the flats where i interviewed mm. them like for example mr palsdorfer i i had maybe three or four b-roll shots of um the room where i interviewed him but nothing more but it, it would have been so interesting to see it a little bit more and to maybe find a nice uh, picture of his family or or something else but I, I i remember in my head back then i thought i've already i've already wasted one of his one hour of his time so mm. i should be grateful for that right and so now i should leave him be again but then after a few months i was like he's a 92 year old man it's not like he's his schedule is full of things like he, yeah. he probably really enjoys the attention and somebody i mean like i said before i didn't even set up the cameras and he he would already talk about the war and just like talk uh, so much about it because it's on his mind, of course. Um, it's like mm -hmm. he says in the documentary, he says he still hears the howling of the wolves. Um, sometimes at night he wakes up and, and hears the wolves uh, howling while, while eating his comrades. Uh, and, and still to this day he wakes up and um, he said he, he, if that happens, he goes into his living room and he plays chess with himself uh, until until he can go sleep again um and yeah uh so that would be something be more you know uh ask for more basically that's also mm -hmm. one thing i because i remember I, I don't know if we talked about that uh but i i had the chance to speak to uh the the, the class that i finished one year ago at university in a media design master, I was able to hold a lecture for the bachelor students uh, about documentary filmmaking. And that was, and that was one thing that I really wanted to tell them, like know that your people, the, the people you interview, they like being interviewed because we are all humans and we all like, if somebody is interested in our story. And so that, that was one thing I really wanted to, to tell, to tell those students. Mm. Yeah, and, and also, I mean, nowadays it's also not a, a big problem anymore. Uh, it's only uh, gigabytes on your SD card. Exactly. Uh, that, exactly. That you use. So it is, uh, 
not like uh, back in the days where you had to uh, think precisely what you want to film yeah. and that it has to be good but that you can just see hey, i can shoot as much b-roll as possible and i can always delete later absolutely that's a big big learning and for yourself like um, if you also look now at the at the future film projects do you think that you um, found yourself already as a creative um, or do you think that is um, that you still want to explore a lot of different formats um it's a good question i so right another way i i see it right now is that i really enjoy my current job um making video game trailers is, is something that, that the nerdy part of me is really engaged with but i know that i just love real stories stories that i could cover uh with documentaries so right now i plan to still invest a few months uh for 75 winter after to you know send it to all these tv stations and whatever and just see what happens i mean it would be the dream to to have it shown on tv or somewhere online mm -hmm. um and and that's also a huge learning like that to to learn about all these avenues that indie filmmakers can can pursue um to get their films out there um but i will do that until the summer um and then i think slowly I want to think about a new project, starting a new project. I, I mean, I already sometimes am. I, I'm kind of like brainstorming topics that would interest me. And um, but yeah, uh, I, I, the way I see it now, I, I want to continue this as a side thing. I don't really have the goal to be a documentary, like a full-time documentary filmmaker, uh, mm -hmm. because. I, I heard for a lot of people that it like once money, like big money is involved, that it's you, you have to like please all these audiences, right? And like uh you know, talk to uh like make it so it's a fine for everybody and like people can weigh in on the story and stuff like that. And yeah. um um and that I mean that's aside from it being super uh difficult to even get funding for Uh, a documentary film in Austria. I mean, we're a small country, right? Like how and 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 there's and there's also a, a film university here where um, there's you know people aiming to make a full time career out of this. And so that's not really my goal. I just know that I want to tell really good stories. Mm. Um, that's what I want to do. That, that's a, a good route to explore for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and um, if you. Mm, Because I think that that uh, filmmaking for me, this is like a, I don't know, it's like a, a craft. Uh, yeah. It's it's like an, an something that you have to do. So I think that you also said that before that you change from marketing because you said like I want to be the one who is yeah. doing the things. Um, how do you train like for example like the different techniques? I mean, if you for example uh, play piano, you sit down and you play a different uh, place and then you can, can just train. Yeah. This is something that you get a lot, um, on the job, uh, or is it also that you just film sometimes sit down and say like, Oh, I want to learn this type of animation, or I want to learn this type of, uh, this type of cutting uh, a story together. I think it really depends on the topic, uh, because making video game trailers is very much different from, um, kind of longer form uh documentaries right um 
Hmm. So it depends on the person. So for me, I remember in when it, when it came to documentary, I realized, or just in general, um, longer form storytelling, I, re- I realized that I need the music to be there. And that's when I start seeing the pictures and the cuts. That's where I just felt it because I think music in general is one of the uh, the most important factors in uh, video storytelling. And so Mm -hmm. um, for some projects, I started having the music there. Like I edited the music already and, and only then I started adding footage and then starting to cut and stuff. Um, but also finding key areas of like, for example, in the, in the documentary film from 75 winter after I would combine the two interviews, right. And they tell one coherent story without having a narrator. And that was uh, something that took a lot of time to, to really map out when did who talk about what and how would it make sense in a, in a story. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but then when it comes to video game trailers, I just learn so much in, with YouTube tutorials, like there's just so much content out there. That's super interesting. And, uh, that's one of the yeah good things about the, 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 the time we live in right now. Mm-hmm. It's just the, so much knowledge, uh, you can access so much knowledge there and it just, it really depends on just how much time you put in. So, yeah, that's true. What do you think? Um, I mean, if you look now at you, you started quite late um, to 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 get invited to the to the party, let's say of the of the filmmaking parties. Um, but with, within like uh, one and a half, uh, two years, you uh, one time you were in the finals of uh, esports filmmaker of the year. Then you have now uh, another award of uh, best historical short. What do you think? Um, differentiates you from other filmmakers Mm, that's a good question so like i said before i i really like honest emotions right and i like showing that and accentuating that with all the storytelling tools that i have at my disposal be it music and and potential other animation that's where i that's kind of where I know that this is what I enjoy most. And that's why I probably also do it well. Um, mm. And I think so because of my background in tourism, I think I'm a rather sociable guy. Like I, I was working as a bartender, as a waiter um, in a reception. So, and I really like people. And so, I feel like I can show those uh, people realize that, that I'm just like, I'm a really positive and, uh, and, and uh, uh, that I, I just like them because they, they are other people. And so I feel like in the interviews that that's also um, reflected because they are just completely themselves because they know I'm a, uh, it's, it's a good vibe between them and, and myself. Right now, I, I still feel like I'm just like trying to get inspired by all these amazing filmmakers. I think if I if I would have to name one for documentary in general, I really enjoy uh, Werner Herzog, a German filmmaker. Watching his masterclass 
uh, was just an eye opener for me. And I remember he one of one of the things he said was that as filmmakers and documentarians, we are we are thieves. We go to all these different scary and and interesting places, and 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 we we steal, we loot, and we get get whatever we film. That's our loot, right? Like that's our treasure. And that's mm. I I like that way of thinking. To, to, to think of it as an adventure and to, to and he was like go get as much loot as possible and I love that it's uh, it makes it exciting to th even yeah. think about it it's a nice uh, metaphor for for like the the work that you're doing yeah is it harder for you to keep going or to get started um, I think to To get started is probably harder for me. The I the the process I enjoy the most is when I already like what I put together and I do the small things. That's what I enjoy the most because I already know if I would leave it at that, it's already fine. Like it's it's good. But now I'm adding the you know the really good stuff. Um, definitely that. Yeah yeah it, it's nice because i think that uh, that's also a little bit the impression that i had so uh because i think for you it's easy to to keep a project alive uh, i think that also shows i mean you started 2018 uh to to create <laughs> the, the movie and and then you you still finished it and then uh to perfection and i think that's uh that's a very nice trait to uh, to have i think thank you do, do you think th that filmmakers have a, a moral responsibility to to culture Like, like, do you think that um, a creative person um, ha has has to give back or is required to give back uh, sometimes like the, the things that you see and feel? Mm. What, what do you mean exactly with give back? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's just like uh, that, of course, there's always that ongoing conflict about um, that that the culture sector is is uh, is, is dying out. Mm -hmm. uh, that not a lot of stories are told anymore, and that um, and I think uh, with with your project that you have done, I think you um, brought uh, important part of uh, not only culture but also history um, uh, to life again. So do you think that like uh, filmmakers have like the the moral responsibility also not to only make uh, the the cool and hip. Uh, documentaries about the, the problems of, of uh, now but also maybe more about like cultural aspects and more about historical aspects uh, I'm not sure if if that is not happening I think what what's difficult nowadays is uh, to market those films I, I probably there are some filmmakers uh, making like shining light on all these different um, aspects of life cultural aspects and stuff but I think one issue that we're facing as a as a whole industry, media industry, is generating um, uh, generating interest in in a project because people nowadays are so confronted with media everywhere. Like even myself, like as I'm talking, I'm I'm sitting in front of three screens. I could potentially watch a YouTube video and a Netflix show while while I talk to you. You know, it's kind of this. There's so much. Um, media out there 
and 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 with social media as well right like we consume so much so it's very difficult to to uh get a passion project like that out there in the world um I, but i to be honest i couldn't even tell you how to fix that i think i'm still too inexperienced but i'm trying to learn as much as possible about how the market works basically yeah super interesting just to to get your perspective because i think that's a very important aspect uh, that we also sometimes don't lose touch uh, with uh, what what matters and uh, times like uh, corona i think uh, yeah. make us, make us very much aware of that uh, how less uh, actually actually matters and how yeah. how uh, easy it is for for us to to live and what kind of interactions we we need and what we don't need Talking about uh, Corona and about the future and about the past, uh, what is the next uh, big thing for you? Do you have already something or any goals, any things to do that you like to achieve in the in the next couple of years, a uh, couple of months, couple of weeks? Uh, definitely, I want this by the end of this year. I want to know what my next uh, documentary project will be, mm -hmm. uh, but also, it's oh, a good. To be honest, nerds. No, I feel like everything is going really well right now. You know, I don't have, I don't have a big. So I, I still want to get get the word out uh, of of this documentary. I also, that's actually no, that's one goal. I want to, I mean, this is not announced yet, but I want to make something with this documentary and with this kind of audience that I found now on social media. I want to um, create something that. And, and start a fundraiser for uh, an, NP, an, an NGO or an NPO, nonprofit, um, mm -hmm. that deals in this sector. So I, I want something tangible um, for, for um, to create something tangible with this kind of interest in the film. So something financial, right? Like, so, so an institution that actually really works on this, uh, on, on the issues of, of, um, yeah maybe um second world war like we have the the um what's it called like the holocaust remember um pr uh, organization and stuff like that and so they do they work on continuously um yeah also for the next generation to be reminded of of our past and so i want to make something where i can um get together some some money where people um, get something from me. For example, um, I, this is really exclusive now and nobody knows this, but when I was interviewing Mr. Fellner, I, he, at the end of the interview, he gave me a folder and he said that this is for when he dies. And this is his story in the war, but in his words. So he wrote it down on a, um, typewriter and mm. he said he wants to give me this copy of it um all, all all of the things that he told me back then in the interview and more um he he all saved it there and so my goal is to make a little little booklet where uh i i make this story available for people and and who, who want to maybe know a bit more about uh, mr fellner and and i want mm. to use the visuals of the movie to make a, a nice little booklet off of it and i'm thinking maybe something like that and um and uh some some other thing maybe some a, a hidden link so people can stream the movie at any time and i'm thinking to 
uh, as a final project to make a little fundraiser where all of mm. the earnings go to um, a nonprofit. That's wow, a big goal for me. It's a big goal and a beautiful goal as well. Like yeah. <laughs> you just said, there's there's nothing, but then you came around with a very beautiful and I think very uh, big goal as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think uh, it was amazing uh, to to get uh, your insights. I slowly think want to to bring the the podcast home. I think yeah. it was um, uh, yeah insane that you basically started so late um, in the, in the filmmaking industry, but uh, within such a short amount of time. You were able to create such a such a big impact and uh, chased your goals. You uh, were on the Olymp of the the esports uh, <laughs> industry, so that's that's also very nice. And you, that's also something that you can always uh, fall back because I think they would be very happy to have you back now that they perform uh, better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, before we end the podcast, I always ask three final questions to the the podcast guests. Yeah, um, and the first one is. Uh, what are you not very good at right now and you want to become better at? Hmm. Too many things. <laughs> But I I want to get right now, I, I really want to get better in uh, 3D programs. It just fascinates me, especially being in the video game industry that, that people can just create this virtual worlds these characters and and just uh, yeah create engaging stories so um as like for my job as well i would like to get better with these um engines like unreal engine for example and um to to properly you know uh, yeah cre- create nice stories uh, for my trailers that i that i constantly work on but mm-hmm. one more thing i re- i i would love to because you said piano before I I want to play more piano. I have to practice it more. And so let this be a reminder for myself that uh, for the next year, I, I will have to practice more because I, I bought myself a keyboard and I mm-hmm. played some, I learned some stuff already, but uh, I have to continue more. Oh, very nice. And now you have uh, have it uh, all time. You can always listen back on Spotify. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's uh, the big <laughs> reminder. If you need some motivation, you can listen back to yep. it. Um, what name would you give this chapter of your life? <laughs> the, the the next one or like the past or the, the chapter the chapter that you're currently in yeah i think i know something i would call it yeah i would <laughs> i would call it reaping because reaping reaping as in you you reap what you sow because i Yeah, I, a lot of time, I, I, a long time, I didn't know where to 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 head it professionally in my uh, life, and um, and I did make a lot of experiences, right? Like even I, I don't regret being in um, tourism and all this stuff, and and working abroad sometimes, and um, and but I, I just feel like now all these things that I did before that that were not quite what i what i would do in the end all these things help me now in um living the the life that i i'm supposed to that's really mm. where i uh where i stand right now i i know exactly what i want to do and it's it's really going in my the way i where i could dream of it and so i i would say 
I, right now I'm reaping all of the things that I, I saw back then and, and um, getting to getting to use the skills I learned and, and, and got over the years in other industries as well and, and, and now making them work in, in my favor in, in this industry and in, mm. yeah, in the field of media, which, which I really like. Yeah, that is a that is a cool chapter title. I would uh, definitely read that chapter. That sounds, uh, <laughs> that sounds very intriguing. It sounds a bit it sounds a bit scary, doesn't it? At first, like yeah, the Grim yeah. Reaper, but uh, no, it's <laughs> I, it's it's in a good way. I'm reaping in a good way. In a good way. Um, the last question is: If you could send uh, a SMS to all mobile phones in this world, uh, what would you say? This is a good question. I. I would say watch my documentary 75 winter after and then a link. No, I'm kidding. I would I the sentence that I No, I I would I uh, I know what I would say. I would just text them I love you. <laughs> I, love you. I think love is is everything. And mm. um it's uh like I said before if I want to show I show I want to show um empathy. I want to create empathy uh with this movie and i think that's what our world needs right now it needs it needs empathy and it needs love and it needs coming together so um yeah that's perfect the perfect way to to end the podcast with <laughs> eternal love talk exactly yeah yeah that's perfect it. uh johannes uh, yeah i don't know i can you not thank you enough to uh, also share your insights from the from the filmmaking your creative processes so thank you very very much to be thank part you. of the Flavor podcast and uh, i'm very curious uh, where we will uh, which awards you will you will win in the future <laughs> thank you very much it was really nice <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this 301 episode. And in a lot of management books or also on social media, we can hear and read everywhere that we can achieve anything if we only want to. And I think today's podcast was a very good example that this can also be true because uh, Johannes started filmmaking only two years ago. And in a, such a short amount of time, he was nominated for the Esports Filmmaker of the Year and he won the Best Historical Short in the Austrian Film Festival. And I think during the podcast, he talked uh, many times about uh, the many, many mistakes he made along the way, about the audio, about filming, about iOS, about all those kind of different things. But in the end, he all overcame the obstacles and made a beautiful product out of that. He also had a very unconventional way to coming into filmmaking. But in the end, he realizes that all the different things that he has done in the past led him actually to the way to become a filmmaker and to become a photographer. So that is, I think, a very amazing learning for everyone that if you're stuck somewhere where you think, how can this contribute to work towards to my dream? Uh, don't give up because in the end, things fall into place and you can do the thing that you like to do. I'm personally very curious which future ways uh, Johannes will take. And um, I think today we met a very bright and inspiring uh, young filmmaker from Austria. And I was very happy to have him into the 301 podcast. If you liked this inspirational episode, don't forget to like and subscribe. And we hear each other next week. Yours truly, Marcus.